0: And how Jesus worked. You know, things are not perfect. I was thinking about though the woman with the issue. There was a huge crowd. There was a lot of resistance, but she touched Jesus. And the, the man who was waiting for him, Jairus, to go for him to go to the house to heal his dead daughter. Uh, he was very anxious. Well, Jesus, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing? You're uh, I'm trying to get you to, to my daughter. You know, there's distractions there's betrayals there's all kinds of things that try to intimidate us but i tell you god is in our midst and jesus there's nothing that can separate you from what god wants to do in your life you may be seated just keep a heart open just be open with the lord see what he wants to do in uh, in your life today you know be open for the miracles that you need have an expectation keep your eyes on jesus you know Uh, we have Jack with us, Jack Willis, with us today, and it's been my pleasure uh, to know him uh, personally for 27 or so years, but to know him even before that when he used to come and speak at Christian Community Church, and he just wanted to kind of share his heart today. Thank you, all of you who prayed for him this last summer for his wife, and she passed just in uh, December the 3rd, so Jack, speak to us.
1: Amen. I, uh, which is a first. I don't have too much to say. Well, I do have a lot to say, but <laughs> but I I don't want to lie to you from the very beginning here. <laughs> but I, I do want to just say a couple of words, and, and uh, I just want to thank you guys here at uh, hillside just for your uh, tremendous friendship for all these years, and uh, and uh, just being an evangelist and traveling around the world. Uh, there are certain areas or are certain congregations that you can come to that that you feel a total freedom in God to do what you have to do to say what you have to say and this is one of those churches that uh that I feel is that way i can come and yell anything at you you know you guys are believing <laughs> <laughs> no no just kidding. but you get to a place where, where you, you know that something is going to happen. You know that, that lives are going to change. You know that something is going to take place. And the Holy Spirit really cements that in your heart. And uh, this is one of those places. And to have, um, um, you know, I, I, I said that I never heard, I, I said I'm, I'm going to enjoy this morning because Bruce is going to preach the word. And I, I've i never heard Bruce preach in 20 years. but uh, no, <laughs> But I have. We've been to Africa together. I remember we were, you know, ducking spears and things over there together. So w- it was a it was a, a, a horrendous time, really. We had eight armed guards that traveled with us all over the country. Two vicious guard dogs that didn't even like their masters, and uh, and and uh, we we traveled all around. We stayed in barbed wire uh, confined places, and uh, you know, it was <laughs> every time we had a have a machine gun guy with in the car with us uh, wherever we went. We couldn't stop red lights because they—that's where they kidnap uh, guys like us, and and they—they uh, they had to, if 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 they were coming to a stoplight, the guy would get up in the sunroof and wave his gun like this man, so everybody would kind of like, you know, move aside. So it was a, it was a it was an awesome time there in, in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I stayed an extra week after everybody left. Uh, it was Carol uh, from. Uh, uh, Gilroy over there, and myself, and, and, uh, stayed an extra week, and I, when I saw these guys getting on the plane, I thought, man, you, you're crazy, what's the matter with you? <laughs> are you nuts? <laughs> you should have just went with these guys, but, but th- those times are, are just wonderful, having, uh, having, uh, uh, the, the friendship that we have with Dory and, and, and Bruce, and, and the church here It's just been wonderful, and I just really thank you guys so much for, uh, for your prayer. I know you guys are crying out. I, I, have had, uh, a lot of contact with Bruce and, and, uh, uh, we talk to each other on the phone uh, a lot. And, and uh, it's, just, it's just been a wonderful time. And so I, I just want to share one thing with you. I, I, I really uh, uh, just want to read a scripture for you. My dear Maureen, uh, this is why I'm not preaching this morning. One of the reasons. My, my, my dear wife exemplified a faith that I had never seen in her before and she didn't even know it was in her. When she took a stand, took a real strong stand to beat this cancer. And she had a real balanced stand in there. She her doctors when there was no hope with doctors anymore and They were. They told us that. Her oncologist, uh, uh, an East Indian lady, that uh, was just fantastic. She. She got up and hugged Maureen. I mean, not you know how you give somebody a hug. I mean, held, 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 held on. Her life in the last six months. They gave her six months to live, or excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They gave her three weeks to two months to live. And if she took chemotherapy, she would maybe extend it to a year. And so we decided that maybe we'll go with the chemotherapy, you know, still believing God. But the chemotherapy did nothing but hurt her. It did nothing but hurt her. It, it ruined her appetite. It ruined everything that she couldn't taste. She couldn't do anything. And, and, and they did two different kinds of chemotherapy on her, uh, one that was... Two-and-a-half-hour drips into her, and one uh, was uh, like 10 minutes, whoosh, you know, into you. Um, and it did nothing but hurt her. In that, she lasted for six months, even with that adverseness of their medicine, working uh, adverseness against her. So she stood very, very strong, very, very strong. And she, she taught me a lot during that six months. And, and that six months was like an 11th-hour Christian. She touched the lives of so many people in that six months that she was alive with her positive attitude for Jesus and, and, and told me, sat down and looked at me and says, you know, Jack, if this doesn't go the way that we're crying out for it to go, don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at God, you know. There's an emotional area in my life. And I, I'm an emotional guy. I really am. And I want to read something for you. I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 6. And this is just a couple verses here. Uh, starting with verse 17. It says, Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel and confirmed it by an oath that the two immutable things which is impossible for God to lie. That's the first one. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before him. Listen to this one. This is the second thing here. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence, his glorious presence behind the veil of God. This hope of God is an anchor to our soul. And anybody that has a high emotional area in their life and has a real heavy soulish realm knows that we need something to hold us. Because even with an anchor, I've fished a lot and and, and we've anchored boats and, and I've been in boats and anchored. They still in the current have a tendency to do some drifting. And we have an opportunity to stay Anchored, or we could flow with that drift if we want to. I just want to tell you that hope is the greatest thing that you and I could have in our lives. That hope in God, that immutable, what, what, that, that word immutable is an interesting word. That word immutable, here, here's, here's what that thing means. It, it means it means unchangeable. It means to believe that God is unchangeable, believe that, that, that God's unchangeable in His purpose. Here's another thing. When you go through a situation, in a tearing situation like we've just been through, uh, you have a tendency to lose the purpose of God in your life. You have a tendency to just, just, just not even want to go after the purpose of God in your life. But God still has that purpose strong no matter what you and I go through. He's still God. He's still strong. When Peter sunk on the water... He didn't sink Jesus with them. Jesus grabbed the him and brought him back in the boat. I'll tell you, even if we lose our faith, God is faithful. Lay hold of hope, because hope is a literal anchor to your and my soul. Thank you, guys, for praying.
0: I hope this message will encourage you, because it's really just about reality of all <clears throat> of our life and what we're going through. The name of my message is The Wilderness Journey. And it comes out of number 33, and it's Moses' account of the 40-year journey that they took coming out of Egypt. And you can liken it to your own journey in your Christian life. And I was thinking, again, just this morning of Jesus. He had just been in that garden. He had been uh, really not wanting to go to the cross. <clears throat> he knew he was going to suffer Uh, an incredible suffering. Isaiah said when they were done beating him that you couldn't even recognize who he was. And so here Jesus says, you think he at that moment when they came to get him and he got that kiss on his cheek, you think that he would not be thinking about anybody else, but just looking, he was now going to suffer. But he heals that servant whose ear was cut off, that soldier. And uh, it just shows you that uh, God is going to be doing incredible things on our journey in our wilderness. And I just hope we can uh, really just identify today with the children of Israel and the things that the Word of God lets us know. The definition of wilderness is an uncultivated and uninhabited and inhospitable inhospitable place or region. You might say that that's our journey in this life from birth to the grave. I I was thinking, um, just since we... Dory had a word just in uh, the end of the year last year about reset. I have seen things change. And I realized as I've been reading uh, the scriptures about Israel's journey, I realized the journey that we've gone through as a church and as a pastor of the church of what we went through from the summer of uh, 2015 through uh, 2019. A good four-year journey of uh, fire, flood at my house, uh, different uh, hard things, financial difficulties in the church, every kind of thing that we went through. And uh, thinking of coming up on 19, it was 20 years we we're here and thinking of all the seeds that were sown, all the different things that have gone on. And as a pastor, I think I, I really see more like Moses seeing the journey of this church and you know what's been going on. And I have to say it's been by the grace of God that I've just stayed with it. Because as the children of Israel went through the wilderness, you know each of the things that they went through, not having water, not having food, getting tired of the food. There are so many different stopping places, so many different places the Bible talks about that 40-year journey that was really testing their heart. Would they believe God? Would they trust God? And that's what you and I's journey is in this life right now. And there's plenty of things in this world to distract us from Really, a call that we have like them, they were called out of Egypt to serve God. When we accept Christ, we are called out of this world to a higher calling and to a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But everything that Satan can do, he's going to do to discourage you on that journey. And he's going to try to make your wilderness a really hardship. But just like we have the scriptures, we have. Israel's history. It is for our encouragement, for our learning, and for our benefit. The journey, the act of traveling from one place to another. I don't know about you, but sometimes don't you get a little bit frustrated in your journey in the Lord, your journey? Uh, It's those seasons that seem like they're unchanging, and then sometimes when the seasons change, it seems like this is even worse because I have no control of anything. What would the Holy Spirit say to us from this account of Israel's wilderness journey? And I'm just hoping that you can see something from what the Word says and compare it to your journey with Jesus. And I hopefully you'll draw a real encouragement in your life that even though kind of Althea was prophesying from the, the keyboard today, that he's with you. And that song, even when you don't see it, he's with you. Even though you don't feel it, he's with you. And like Jack said, our, our soul can be so unstable in its emotions and its feelings and then its thoughts. I often tell my wife, "Man, my thoughts and my feelings, when they join up, my spirit is under big attack. There's like a, a two, two linemen are trying to hit my faith and knock it out." But in numbers, the Israel's journey with God, and it really comes down to with the Lord, we move. If we're going to do any kind of movement, if we're going to have any kind of um, advancement, like Acts 17:28 says, in him we live and we move and we have our being. We really find out what life is and who we're meant to be is in our relationship with God and in the wildernesses of our life. And in Numbers 33, 1, Moses says, These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And I know you guys maybe not understand what it is to be a pastor, but because I put myself under Ernest Gentile for most of my life, I know what it is to be under a man of God. I, Rachel, your your father, your grandfa- i mean, your grandfather—you know, um, Don Phillips. What a man to be under! I was—I was cleaning his office at 13, but over the years, getting counseling from him, being under his eldership and pastoral uh, place. Uh, in in my life, the things that he's spoken to me, my wife's life, and the things he helped guide me, these were leaders over me that helped me. Being an elder, a young elder under the eldership of Ernest and Joy, but being under elders like Don and Ruth Ann Phillips was incredible. And by the way, Ruth Ann went home a couple days ago to be with Jesus and Don. So Rachel, our hearts go out to you, but we celebrate their lives. Ruth Ann was here so many times and she was such a prayer warrior. I can just see her at times sitting here with us and being with us in pre-service prayer and just encouraging Don as he ministered the word to us. We are going to be missing that. But you know what? What they've deposited in us, it goes on. So God, by gracious, uh, graciousness, he gave Moses and Aaron that mantle of authority over them that they would have someone to look at someone who would be stable and even though they were flawed and we read the different stories about them we know that they had human beings that were connected with god that could lead them through the wilderness uh, one of my saddest things is to read in the old testament where uh moses is just about ready to go into the promised land and he wants to go into the promised land and i remember the first time i read it as an elder one sunday afternoon in my bedroom i started crying because I saw all the years that Moses had lived and uh, been honed by God through the, the struggles and the opposition that he went through to make him the leader that God wanted him to be. And then when he had misrepresented God by striking the rock instead of speaking to it, that he was no longer allowed to go into the promised land. That I just cried the first time I read that, thinking, wow, God, all he went through and he failed and he couldn't go into the promised land and and his little dialogue as you read it in the old testament you know god says you're not going into the land <clears throat> don't even say anything to me about it again <clears throat> can you imagine when you're being shut down <clears throat> and you want to process something and god says i don't want to hear anymore but god in his graciousness in his mercy and how he's doing things he loves us so this is that journey going out of Egypt, which meant bondage. And it's what we experience when we come into Jesus Christ. We come out of the bondage of our old sin nature. We have a new nature given to us. Our spirit is alive and uh, recreated in Christ, and we have a whole new opportunity to start over in our life. And in fact, as Christians, every day we can start over by just confessing our sins and our need for Jesus, that we continually just start the page fresh and we start it new with the Lord. <clears throat> in that time, though, when Israel was in that bondage, there was a deep work going on. Just like wherever you're at in your wilderness journey today, whatever frustrating you, there's a deep work of the Holy Spirit going on in your life to grow you in character and to grow you spiritually and actually to be, make you a warrior for the Lord. And it says that Israel <clears throat> became an army in Exodus, that they became an army and they grew and multiplied in the midst of being in bondage. Excuse me. No, it's not going to do any good. The wilderness journey leads to God's promised land for each one of us. I think that's what we have to remember on this journey of your life. It's going to lead to God's promises for you. A lot of times we want to circumvent the process. We want to get there quicker and we get frustrated with God. And I had that opportunity this week. I got a jury summons. I prayed, oh God, deliver me from this. I have so many things to go. I've been trying to go to the food bank on Wednesdays and just you know, build some relationships and just see who I could connect with and you know share with. and God's just been opening so many doors lately. I mean, I feel like the other day I felt like he was just saying to me, I was going to have this contact, and I went in this store, grocery outlet, I only been there twice. The second time I went there had this incredible 45 minute encounter with someone about the Lord. But I, mean, I was just like, God, how come I'm going to jury duty?" Then I'm sitting there. The lady comes out and says, "You know there's a hundred people that should be here, and I'm sending out letters." And you can either go to jail or have a flying fine, or go to jail. And then uh, she passed out papers and there was probably like 40 people out of the 80 of us were there, all opted out and they excused them all without anything. I'm thinking, wow. So they started selecting the jury, jury boxes filling up and everybody had all these excuses. And I'm thinking, my God, I'm going to be here till you come back. And then everyone in the jury was making all these excuses and the, the attorney was going on and on and on. And he was asking questions that like don't even apply to whether they're going to give your client a good, you know, a good way out. And I'm thinking like, why am I here? And I connected with one person there and I thought, this is why I'm here. This is why. And you know, I struggle with social anxiety. So I can't believe before the day before and that morning, I felt so sick to my stomach. that I said to myself, God's going to use me. So at lunchtime, we, we eye-to-eye, and I go, I go, you fly, I'll buy you. He goes, my truck's right out front, so we go, right? And we sat down to have our lunch. He began to say, I need to ask you. I need to tell you something. He started telling me about a situation in his life. So we get through all that, and I'm still praying, like, get me out of this, get me out of this. <laughs> and then, you know, we go into the courtroom. Everybody, it seems like both of us are going to be on the jury. Then all of a sudden, he's out. And then I'm thinking, oh my, they're going to get me. Then I'm saying, God, get me out. I want to finish. I know I'm supposed to pray with this person. I know it's not done until I pray with this person. I'm saying, God, uh, why am I not getting out of here? He's already gone. He's probably in his truck and and going. So I'm there another 15, 20 minutes. I come out. He's on the phone in the lobby. And I said, hey, I just want to go. Let's go sit in your truck. I want to pray with you. And I, I just ended up where like, you know, God's going to put us in places that we don't want to be. But if we'll be mindful that God wants to use us, because we're in a whole new season, guys. We are in a whole new season. And there's nothing like being in a place you don't want to be, telling God you want to change and you want something to happen and you're not moving, but then God moves. And then you go, oh, I see. That's why you got me here. I tell you, this journey, it's very disheartening at times. It's sick to your stomach kind of thing. But I tell you, God wants to use you. He is walking with us in our wildernesses. God's with us in the middle of our disappointments, in the middle of those prayers that we're wondering, why, why am I going through this? Why is this not happening? You said you love me. Why aren't you doing what you said you could do? God is faithful. God is caring about you. And God is also caring about people because he wants you to be an uh, influencer, an inflictor of the kingdom of God on people. He wants you to, to infect them with the kingdom of God. So they can come to know Jesus and go through their wilderness in in a greater way, like you are. The start of our life's journey with Jesus is a new beginning. You know, one of the things that was scary about those guys going out of the wilderness—they knew bondage, they knew everything of bondage—and there was a few things they liked in bondage. They knew they could eat good. You know, But what was frustrating them, when they went into the wilderness, they no longer knew anything about what was going to be happening. Isn't that something? Sometimes we are so consettled in our bondage that we're comfortable in it. But to walk with Jesus is mean, and he can uproot your whole life. I was talking, again, my my other uh, encounter with a person the other day in that grocery store was like a woman that worked at the same uh, company I worked with. And she talked about her journey as a process operator and being mistreated as a woman, being uh, disrespected and everything that she went through just because she was a woman. People trying to intimidate her, people trying to make her mess up or cause problems. And just talking about her, she started talking about how, how Jesus has been with her, you know, how God is always with her. And uh, got to share, you know, you know, the reason why I quit. I know I've talked to her before, but the reason why I quit working there was because god wanted me to go on a different journey he wanted me to to start pastoring here in hollister with my wife and you know you're all here because of that but you know god to spend all this time and and pray with the person and let let the the kingdom of god be um exalted and to see people there's this hunger going on in our community of people i see everywhere now people are hungry for god people are open and hungry People want to know what you know about Jesus because because God is drawing them right now. You know, Jack told me we do go through those hard seasons. I was talking about the four and a half years I went through where he said that's the land laying fallow, like in the Old Testament, that there was a a period of time you let nothing happen. And the land in Hollister maybe has been fallow spiritually, but it's time for a harvest again. It's time for that reset. People are open. Yesterday... I'm coming out of Knob Hill, and I hear this lady screaming, bloody murder. And then I see this truck back off and tear off down the street. And I hear she's just screaming, screaming. People are walking away, and people are looking at her, but they're walking away. And so I put my groceries in the car, and I dialed the police, and I started walking towards her. I said, hey, there's a woman. She's just screaming. I don't know what's going on. looks like someone left her. So she's back of Burger King, just crying her heart out. So I walk over, and... uh, Sarah Disney's dad's walking right with me. I said, wow, I haven't seen you forever, and you're, you're here with me. And I just began to talk to her, you know, and she's just devastated. You know, and she, I told her, hey, I'm, I'm from Hillside Christian Fellowship. She goes, yeah, I know, I've been there before, and she's crying. And I go, I call the police because they'll, they'll give you a ride home, whatever you need. She says, no, I, I'm going to be okay now. I'm going to walk home. And she just start walking home. But I thought, God, God, there's people all around ready for us to step in and say something to them. In the middle of our wilderness, there's people in a deeper spiritual wilderness. They're wanting to connect with us. They're they're wanting us to touch them. In Numbers 33, 2, now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journey at the commandment of the Lord, and these are their journeys according to their starting points. Have you ever sit back and just recounted your journey with the Lord? Just recounting what he brought you through, the difficult seasons that you were in, and then like the transformation that happened or how he got you out of hard things. Maybe it's something you need to go back because you didn't get what he was trying to teach you there, but I believe God in his mercy and his wisdom can unfold the wise in some of those places so that you can have a closure in something you went through that you can keep moving on like you know when when, when um, Maureen died in, in December, it was kind of like a step back, a reset for us who've been praying for her because we had to re-gear up to keep believing for miracles, keep praying for people who need a supernatural miracle, but, but yet realize this is something that we don't understand why God didn't heal her. And and rather than to go into a state of unbelief and now say God doesn't answer prayer or do anything, no, we believe even more God's going to do miracles. God's going to do something supernatural. So have we ever thought or written about your journey with the Lord? I just want to encourage you. What would you gain? What would you learn? Because that's why Moses was told to write this. So we could see what they went through and we can identify the process of what God's doing in our own life. learning from Israel's journey. It's like answers to a test. I so appreciate Jerry Munzer. I am getting more out of Job than I've ever gotten in my 50-something years of reading the Bible as a Christian. The one thing I'm realizing, and it hit me last week during the Bible study, and man, if you want to come, you have an hour on Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, come. We'll feed you and you'll get the word. But that Job And was initiated in a test that no one had ever gone through. And the way he lived his life, according to what the Bible says, he shouldn't have gone through this test. But God wanted to show Satan that there was a believer in him, that no matter what he would go through, even loss of his children, loss of all that he had, because he was a rich man, all of his cattle, servants, and everything, that he would still believe God. And then having boils all over his body, he still did not curse God. He believed God. And so what that did for me is like, since we have somebody like Job, no matter what we go through, we have the ability to believe God, that nothing can shake our faith. And then we have Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, who went and paid for our sins, died on the cross, and then sent back the Holy Spirit to be in us and to be the power of God and the source in our life, to do miracles and to open doors and to break things that will not be broken unless He breaks them that we have someone else to lean on in our faith. So we're in a better place than Job was. And we're a better place even than people, even really the apostles, because we have even their stories and what they went through and how they suffered to believe God, even in the midst of opposition and things that counter and come against our faith. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, Now all these things happen to the children of Israel as examples, that they were written for our wa- our warning, for our learning, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. All this, generations before in the Old Testament, thousands of years, everyone was looking forward to this last 2,000 years when everything, the benefits of what Jesus went to the cross for are now being Manifested in our time. That's why there's there is more miracles going on now. There's more resurrections from the dead happening now because of the culmination of what Jesus did two thousand years ago. There's a great faith rising in the land. There's a great army of God in believers rising up that are coming against every doubt, every demonic attack, every demonic distraction, everything the enemy too would try to do to discourage people. It's rising up in believers to go ahead and believe anyway, to ask for the impossible and to watch God do what only he can do in our lives. In Numbers 33, 3, they, Israel, departed from Ramses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month. On the day after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. The day we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's the day we begin to depart we begin to depart from the sins and things that shamed us. I don't care what you did. I don't care what your past looks like. You're to come out of every shame, everything that that season did to your life, every uh, betrayal, abuse, you name it. That is the day you depart. You begin departing out of it the day you accept Jesus Christ. And it's a, a war in your mind, in your emotions to believe departing, to believe you're moving forward, to believe things are changing. I don't care what is happening. I don't care what they're saying to you. I don't care if they're saying no to you. No, we begin to move forward and depart the moment we've accepted Jesus Christ and our faith in Jesus Christ. And why you're here today amplifies your commitment And your resolve to know the Lord and to keep believing in Him, to keep learning from Him, and to keep growing strong in your relationship with Him so that the Holy Spirit can cause your spirit to be awakened to hear what He would say to you today. They came out with boldness. They left bondage, sin, slavery because the blood was shed. Maybe you have to remind yourself every morning when you get up, Jesus, thank you for your blood. You don't look at me in the past anymore. You don't look at any hangups, any addictions I have. Even if you're struggling with an addiction now. The fact that you stand saying, God, you broke that addiction off me at the cross when you died for my sins. When my name was put in your hands, you already paid for the price for me. And I believe your blood covers me right now. I may not see the the, uh, the thing broken that I'm believing for, but I'm believing you're doing it today. That there's going to be some kind of repentance. There's going to be some kind of brokenness that separates me. That gift of repentance that happens where that thing no longer holds on to me. And if you've gone through things that affect your mind, your will, and your emotions, there is healing for your soul through the blood of Jesus Christ to allow you to come up out of those things that would take away your joy and that would limit your your possibilities in the Lord. They came out with boldness. They were humbled. The Egyptians were humbled before the Lord. They tasted freedom, those Israelites. They tasted that freedom when they came out. That's where our boldness comes from. You could be in one minute in, in the pits of despair and somehow, wait a second, I'm a child of the King. Wait a minute, I have the Holy Spirit in me. I may not feel him right now, but you start talking to yourself like that. You start reminding yourself what Jesus says about you. Then all of a sudden this bonus starts to rise up within you. and You begin to just stand against whatever it is. You begin to put on even a joy and a gladness about your life in God. The world is watching you what are you gonna show them I believe all of us can just be exemplary in the fact of showing Jesus to people and you could be like me struggling with depression and social anxiety and yet in God I shift this gear and I I work from my spirit and it's like I'm not even depressed I'm not even being socially angry, don't even have that social anxiety It's the God factor in our life, and it's just almost like a switch, turning that switch on in ourselves, realizing who we are, or like, you know, we get into the, I'm going to let down, and we let down, we let down to the old nature. The guy's dead, and we give more life to him.